And hello everyone and welcome to the Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. I am Vic Batista along with Nathan Jones and we are transmitting live from our various networks here at www.tway.tv. It's great to be here with every one of you today as we're going to continue in our Bible Prophecy Verse by Verse series in the book of Zechariah chapter 3 looking at God's mighty angel. And of course our lines will be open. The local number is 321-END-TIME. 321-363. 8463 for those of you who like to join the live Q&A. But before we continue, I'm going to ask Nathan Jones if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this beautiful day and another chance to study your word. We ask, Lord, please teach us what you'll have us learn. Bless those who are listening and watching that they may grow in their relationship with you. In your precious and wonderful name, amen. Amen. Again, you're tuning into the Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. Big Batista and Nathan Jones as we look at Zechariah chapter 3. Hey, today's program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel Aventura, Calvary Chapel Broward, and the Truth Will Set You Free Ministry. And you can find more information here on www.tway.com. TV. So we thank you for being part of our program. And of course, before we continue, I'm going to ask Nathan Jones. I'm going to welcome Nathan Jones to our program. Nathan, it's great to have you on. Great to be on, brother, every week. It, it, I'm blessed by this. is one of the highlights of my week. The same here, Nathan. It's always a pleasure to have you on. We're always very excited. And Nathan, every time you and I open the program, I always ask you if you could share a little bit of information about the ministry just in case someone is new to the program and they, this way they can take advantage of all the wonderful resources that you offer. Well, sure. Uh, my name again is Nathan Jones. I'm the Associate Evangelist and Web Minister for Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry. Our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. Most people who, who know about our, our ministry through Dr. David Reagan, our founder and director, and he's also the main host on our television show, Christ and Prophecy. Yeah. So folks, check us out at lamblion.com or christandprophecy.org. You can watch that television and many others on our website. We also have many articles, blogs, uh, e-newsletter. You can sign up, social networks, all sorts of materials to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and teach you about God's prophetic word. Ooh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Nathan Jones. And Nathan, also, I noticed that you're going to have a conference coming up. Can you talk to us just briefly about that as well? Certainly. Uh, Lamb and Lion Ministries always hosts a big annual conference every year. This year, July 15th and 16th, and the theme is The Great Debates of Bible Prophecy. Yours truly be one of the speakers. I'm covering on the Millennial Kingdom, whether it's literal or not. And we also have, of course, Dr. David Reagan. We have one of our trustees and uh, assistant evangelist, Tim Moore. Uh, Dennis Pollock, who used to serve at the ministry, uh, but the main speaker is Ron Rhodes, and I think awesome. Dr. Ron Rhodes, he's written almost 80 books. We also have Dr. David Hawking at the banquet the night before, and he's an incredible speaker, and long history of service for the Lord, so folks, check us out, landline.com, you can either come to Dallas and come to the yeah. conference, or uh, we're doing live streaming free of charge, so you can live stream it from your mobile device or laptop or whatever. And we're looking for pastors who want to turn their churches into satellite uh, conferences so you can just stream it right into your church and have your own Bible prophecy conference free of charge. Ooh, absolutely. We always look forward to that, Nathan. So we will, Lord willing, take advantage of those opportunities. So thank you. Well, great. I think it will be a great time for people to learn about God's prophetic word and really get into these great debates of Bible prophecy. Ooh, I'm excited. I'm excited already. So thank you so much, Nathan, for sharing that wonderful information. And, of course, Nathan, I'm very excited because... Uh, we notice in the Word of God how God uh, reveals Himself mightily through individuals uh, in, in, throughout scriptures. And not only that, but God also uses um, 
these incredible angelic beings, as we notice in the book of Revelation, to reveal uh, incredible things. But here in the book of Zechariah, we, we've been looking at Zechariah also through a verse-by-verse -verse study. And you pointed out to us, as we've been looking at the study, regarding this mighty angel that is none other than Jesus Christ. And you've been unraveling to us these incredible prophecies here in uh, the book of Zechariah. And uh, maybe, Nathan, before we jump into chapter 3, you can recap for us a little bit about chapter 2, just in case someone just tuned in and wasn't part of our previous studies. Certainly. The uh, prophet Zechariah, a young man, he's helping rebuild the temple after the Jews were exiled out of Israel for uh, 70 years, and now they're rebuilding the temple. And uh, he's the prophet of encouragement. He's encouraging the people. They've given their hearts. They put Jesus as, or I should say God, as the uh, focal point, put him first, and he's blessing them. And in the scene here now, we have, a, we're in the process of the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ himself, the pre-incarnate Jesus, giving Zechariah a series of eight visions. So, so far he's gotten visions of the future, and we're talking about the very distant future. We're talking about when Israel is established in the land which we're seeing today, but that they become the prime nation of the world, and Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. So we're talking about the millennial kingdom, Jesus Christ's kingdom here on earth that we're waiting for. And these visions are visions of what life will be like during that millennial kingdom. Amazing. You know, Nathan, and that's why this is our hope and our future is what God has in store for us in, in, in the future. And that's why as we look at uh, the book of Zechariah, we also come to understand, Nathan, that there is a position in the Christian life. Oftentimes, God wants to do incredible things through his people, but we also find a position. And as we get into Zechariah chapter 3, will you be able to start us out, Nathan, in this incredible passage? Sure. Well, let's get into the vision of the high priest, which is the fourth out of the eight visions that the angel of the Lord gave Zechariah. And it goes verses 1 through 5. Then he, the angel of the Lord, showed me Joshua, Jah high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at the right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuked you, Satan, and the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuked you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. And then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him, and the angel of the Lord stood by. Woo. Nathan, as I look at this passage, I mean, this is just amazing. You know, too often... People don't see the warfare behind uh, the situations. And uh, being, we're reminded of Ephesians chapter 6 where the Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But Nathan, here we see Satan literally here uh, opposing the work of God. Uh, well, that's what he does right now. You know, of course, Satan led a rebellion against God and a third of the angels followed him. And Satan and a third of the angels were cast out of heaven. We read about that in Revelation as well as also Isaiah. And they tell us that Satan was cast out. But Satan continues to have access to the throne room yes. of God. And we learn in Job how he's there. Right. And he, what he does is he accuses the saints. That's why Satan is called the adversary or the enemy. Because he spends all his time when he's not plotting overthrow God to accuse each and every one of us yeah. for the sins that we've committed. So we've got the Father sitting on the throne. We have Satan. They're accusing the saints. But... We have the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ himself, interceding on our behalf before the Father. And that's what this vision is. 
This is a vision of the angel of the Lord interceding on behalf of Joshua, who is the high priest of Israel during uh, Zechariah's time period. You know, Nathan, you, you pointed out Job, and, and that might that might be freaking people out right now, saying, what, the Satan has access to where? <laughs> yeah. But, and you got to wonder, because I, me personally, I know that, that the Lord does not have connection with anything that's impure. I mean, right. Jesus Christ had to die on the cross so that we will be purified of our sins and we can stand before the Father. And yet here Satan is standing before the Father accusing this thing. So I, that, it's above my pay grade. I yeah. don't understand how that works. But that's where Satan is now. He's accusing the saints. And brother, I don't know how many times Satan must have been standing before God accusing me right. of my sins. And yes. Jesus Christ stepped in and said, now wait a minute, my blood has purified him. He's a blood believer in Jesus Christ. You cannot accuse him. And brother, yeah. it's so important that we are saved so that we could stand before God holy one day and no longer under condemnation for our sins. You know, Nathan, that's a very good point. And I believe that right now you're speaking to someone that is watching or listening to the program because right now, maybe the accuser of the brethren is messing with their minds. And a lot of times, this is uh, Satan doesn't stand in front of them and points a finger at their faces, but it's uh, we, he attacks the mind, right? That's where we're talking about him, the spiritual battle. Yeah, he attacks our weaknesses, tries to put a chink in our armor and then just keep working at it. It's like a, a little crack in a dam. He kind of pulls the rock and more and more and more, hoping to open that dam and let sin come bursting out and take over our lives. And that's why we need to put on what the Bible says, the full armor of God. In other words, we need to be walking very close to Jesus Christ, knowing His will through the Bible, you know, having the Holy Spirit living in us because we are saved, and so that we can defeat the attacks that Satan puts on us to try to wear us down. Now, he can't take our salvation away. What he wants to do is make us ineffective as servants of the Lord. And that's what he's trying to do here yeah. with Joshua. See, Jesus has got this big plan to get the Israelite people back out of captivity and back in the land of Israel. They had some troubles, but we've gotten past that now. And now they have a leadership. They have Zerubbabel, who is the governor, and we have Joshua, the high priest. And here Satan is trying to, again, pull people away from God by saying, hey, look, this high priest of yours is no good. Mm. And, 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 and absolutely, and we find that that is the same accusations even with Christians. You know, God wants to use us and the enemy's right there saying, well, how can you use Nathan Jones or Vic or, or whoever? Because, I mean, look what they have done, right? And God says, yes, but I have a plan for them and I have chosen them. Right, and, you know, I think that one of the best tactics that Satan uses is to make us feel like we're worthless. Yes. Whether we're too small, or we, we just yeah. can't contribute. And when you look at the ocean of people out there, yeah, you know, we're not all Billy Grahams with such an impact, but there's a story you probably heard from the pulpit a lot. Brother, being a pastor, you probably used it. But it's about a, a grandfather and his grandson walking along the beach, and there's all these starfish have washed up on the beach, and they're all wriggling and dying and drying out, and the little boy is picking up starfish after starfish and throwing them back in the ocean. <laughs> And the grandfather says, well, there's so many starfish here, you can't possibly save them all. What does it matter? And the little boy picks up the starfish and he says, but Grandpa, it matters to this one. Wow. He throws it in the ocean. And so in our lives, it's those who we come across and we help, help them as Jesus Christ would help them and possibly lead them to Jesus Christ. Those are the people that matter. So we're not saving all the starfish, but we're making a difference where it counts. And brother... For Christians out there that feel burdened that they are not 
doing enough for Jesus Christ, no matter how hard they try, know that you are making a difference with who yes. the Lord has put before you. Nathan, I have not used that analogy, but I'm going to steal that from you now, okay, my next sermon. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, a, that is a great point, and I believe that here we find that wonderful analogy that you share with us, um, you know, in this verse, verse 2, I love that because uh, it says, The Lord has chosen Joshua, and then he says, Rebuke you, and this is not a branch plucked uh, from the fire. Now it says, verse 3, Now Joshua was clothed with uh, filthy garments and was standing before the angel of the Lord. Can you continue to expound that for us, Nathan? Yeah, well, that's verse 2. I love that because here the Lord is there, and we got two of the Trinity there. we got the Father and the Son. And who does basically rebuke Satan? The Lord mm -hmm. says, the Lord rebuke you. Isn't it interesting that, that the, the Father and the Son, there's no one higher than them to rebuke Satan. So they use their own name, Lord, uh, Yahweh, for Yahweh rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> so that'd be like, you know, if I'm chastising one of my children, I'd say, Dad rebuke you. And I'm talking about myself. You know? <laughs> so that always blows my mind. But to get to verse 3, you're right. Uh, Joshua was shown as wearing filthy garments. And that, throughout the Bible, is symbolism for our sin nature, our yes. fallen nature, our, our sinful lives. Uh, the Bible even says in Isaiah that our works are like filthy rags to the Lord. In other words, we are covered in the filth of our own sin and rebellion against God. And it's God who can cleanse us of Amen. those sins. And that's what he does. So when he orders, the angel orders other angels to take the filthy clothes off of Joshua and put clean clothes on, what he's saying is that, uh, you're, I, and then it says flat out in verse 4, I removed your iniquity, in other words, your sin from you, and I will clothe you in rich robes, in other words, in purity. Mm. Nathan, I love that, and, and, and it reminds me of when the, when the Bible talks about the church, right? How we are dressed in white. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, the church is always compared to the bride of Christ. Now, brother, you and I have been married. It might have been a while, but we can remember. I just celebrated, bride, yeah, 21 years, Nathan. 21 years. I'm coming up on 20, so we're, we're both pretty much neck and neck. But to me, burned in my mind is an image of my wife the doors open at the end of the aisle in the church, and the sunlight flooded in behind her, <clears throat> and she looked like an angel. She was clothed in white. I've never seen her, <clears throat> excuse me, look so radiant and so beautiful, covered in finery, and, and the, the dress was just gleaming white, and kind of these sequins or something, I don't know, something that looked like white food. It looked like she had stars shimmering around her. And, you know, that is an imagery that the Bible gives to the church because yes. everyone who's in part of the church, in other words, you're saved, so you're, we're talking not a church group or a, a denomination, but the overall body of Christ, that church, that we are pure and holy and stand before the Lord one day. And brother, I'm looking forward to the day when Jesus Christ comes and he takes his bride, the church, you and me, up in the rapture, up to heaven, so that we may be with the Lord Jesus Christ forever, as 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 tells us. Praise the Lord. And you know, there's a beautiful picture in Ephesians 5 about Christ in the church, Nathan. And I think you pointed it, you painted it so beautifully in terms of also our relationship with, uh, with our wives here on earth. And all those beautiful things that you said about your wife, I know they're true. You just didn't say that because she might be tuning into the program. So I, I trust you. <laughs> Well, we, we like to blog, uh, blog and podcast these radio programs, and my wife is a 
bless her, is the one who's, who does the transcription work for this. So, yeah, she'll read it. I'm not trying to draw brownie points. I'm just making a comparison. I mean, you, you could probably tell me, Maureen, when you guys got married, was dressed beautifully as well, right? That's right. And, uh, and so we're, we are excited. That should be the relationship, right, Nathan, between the church and Jesus Christ and how no matter what we have done, when we confess our sins, according to 1 John chapter 1, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness and makes us white, right? Right. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he went around forgiving people of their sins. Remember when the, the four guys couldn't reach Jesus, so they dug a hole out of the ceiling and laid their, put their yes. lame friend on the mat and lowered them before Jesus? And Jesus didn't just heal him, he forgave him of his sins, and only God can do that. And so here, even though Jesus hasn't died on the cross yet, he's forgiving the sins, the rebellion, our rebellion against God, he's forgiving us. And therefore, it's like being pure and being holy. Yeah. The sin nature is removed, the dirty, filthy clothes. And we see this imagery in Revelation, I believe it's 19, where you see the saints, those who have died during the tribulation time period, standing before the Lord dressed in white robes, bright and clean. In other words, their sins are forgiven and they are standing before God, mm. holy and pure. And you can only stand before God, holy and pure. The only way is through Jesus Christ. Only He died on the cross. Only He was worthy to forgive us of our sins. And when we put our faith and trust in Him, yes. then we too are saved and made holy. A a excellent point, Nathan. I just love the, the verse 4 where it talks about how then He was dressed with he was dressed with clothes with rich robes. And I really love that. It talks about the apparel uh, of kings, in a sense, right? The Bible says we're going to rule and reign with Christ someday, Revelation 20. That's an excellent point. Rich robes like kings. I've never thought of it that way, but you're right. The, the clothing we wear will be representative of our holiness. Uh, the Bible always says it's white, so brother, I guess we'll all, we'll all be dressed in white. You know, I, I can't say I like being compared to a bride, nor do I think of wearing a toga the rest of no. my eternally, but, you know, that's the imagery that the Bible gives us. And it's interesting, too, that uh, Joshua was given a turban to wear. Now, you think yeah. turban, you think Middle East and India, and, you know, this is the Middle East that we're reading, so I don't know if we'll all get turbans when we go to heaven. Uh, that's an interesting thought, but you got to remember that Joshua lives here in the Middle East, and that's why you guys get the turban, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, they can get a T-Wave hat or something like that to put on, right? Ain't yeah, you? yeah, or a Captain America t-shirt like you're wearing now. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Nathan Jones. So, uh, actually, thank you, Nathan. I guess you're seeing us on our live feed, right? That's a good, that's a good feedback right there. But, uh, <laughs> but actually, Nathan, you know, this is a very powerful passage, and I know you and I will always have a lot of fun during these programs, right? And, I, and, and, and rightly so, because we want people to understand that Bible prophecy, it is fun, it's exciting. There's a lot of encouragement, a lot of wonderful things, there's a lot of good news here. And Nathan, one thing that you pointed out was, this passage is speaking about the, the obedience of God's people. And we see when you obey, what awaits you. And that's what awaits the believers in Jesus Christ, is all these wonderful things. So thank you for uh, bringing those out. And yeah, Nathan, continue to take us through this incredible passage, this is awesome. Well, that's a great segue because that's what the angel of the Lord is about to do. He's about to explain to Joshua why he needs to be obedient and what the result will be. And that's a message not just for Joshua, but for all of us. So, yeah, great, great point. Verse 6 begins, Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you walk in my ways, and if you will keep my command, 
then you shall also judge my house, and likewise have charge of my courts. I will give you places to walk among those who stand here. Hear, O Joshua the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon the stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscription, says the Lord of hosts. And I will remove the iniquity of that day in one day, land in one day. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. Ooh, that's an amazing passage. And of course, Nathan, uh, we find there, due to obedience, we also receive God's blessing. And uh, I love the way it says that walk in, in my ways. And we read in the Psalms, oftentimes, where it talks about God's uh, laws and also his commands. And uh, this is part of what we're talking about here, obeying the Lord. Right, and look at the result. In this we heard throughout the Bible, especially the minor prophets, the major theme in Zechariah, that if you obey the Lord, yes. the blessings will flow. And look what, what Joshua's promised. He will judge my house, in other words, have a position of authority. Mm -hmm. He will put charge of my courts, in other words, he will be a judge. He will give you places to walk among those who stand here. In other words, heaven. So, but this is a promise of ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ and living in heaven with him. And that's not just for Joshua. Throughout the Bible, the promise is made to the church as well, that we as the saints in Jesus Christ will rule and reign with yes. Jesus during the millennial kingdom and in the eternal state as long as we keep the Lord's commands. In other words, as long as we're not God's enemy, we are God's friend, we are his servants, but he also calls us his children. Wow. So, Nathan, you mean to tell me that when I get to heaven, I'm not just going to float around in clouds? There's actually things I'm going to be doing? Yeah. That's this whole misconception, I guess, from cartoons that were disembodied spirits floating around in heaven on clouds and playing harps as if a disembodied spirit can play a harp. But uh, no, that's not the case. We have physical, tangible bodies in heaven. Uh, we will, they're called glorified bodies. When Jesus Christ returns, we return with him to see him defeat the Antichrist and Satan and set up his kingdom for a thousand years. And we, brother, you, me, all those who are saved, will be servants of the Lord. We will rule and reign over cities and towns and villages. We will be teachers, administrators, and executives. We will be in his courts. Uh, Jesus will rule with a rod of iron. In other words, his law is absolute. We will enforce his laws during that time period. So, brother, because of our faith in Jesus, and our dedication to walking in His ways, we have great blessings ahead of us. Absolutely. You know, Nathan, I, that's such a word of encouragement. And I know right now you are encouraging someone that is listening and watching to the, the, the program. Uh, and that's why we encourage people that the most important decision that they could ever make is to come to Christ. All these blessings are for those that obey. And one of the greatest ways that people can obey His commandment is to receiving Christ Jesus, His Son, whom the Bible says that Jesus, uh, that God sent unto this world, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And although we're in the Old Testament, right, Nathan, these things still apply for us in the New Testament. Oh, they do. This is not a theme just for Joshua, the high priest. This is a theme throughout the Bible, that if we're not in rebellion with God, our sins are forgiven, then the blessings will flow. And, yes. uh, you know, some people, they, they just can't submit to God, even though He died for them, He created them, He loves them, He's got all these blessings in store for them, but they want to control their own lives, and frankly, they end up ruining their lives. Their lives are filled with sin and disobedience and, and 
all sorts of problems and and eventually death and hell and i don't know why anyone want to live like that when we have such a glorious future ahead of us with jesus Excellent point. You know, Nathan, also you touched on verse 8 and 9. I know we only have a few minutes left of the program, but there's also a wonderful title there that it appears to be given there, The Branch. Can you elaborate a little bit for us regarding that? Oh, this is great, because here we got the angel of the Lord, which is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, talking about my servant, the branch, which is Jesus Christ incarnate as a man. (laughs) So it blows my mind a little, but... uh, so he's talking about how Jesus Christ will come one day in his first coming and that he will be the stone, the foundation of the entire kingdom of God here on earth. And it's even got an inscription on the stone that says the seven eyes, which is a reference to the sevenfold spirit, in other words, right. the Holy Spirit. So we've got the whole trinity working here in Zechariah 3. And he's going to remove the sin from the land, and he does that by dying on the cross and being resurrected from the dead. And when he does this, eventually it will lead to verse 10, where it says, In that day, everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. And that is a symbol of peace, that in the millennial kingdom, there will be no war, there will be no fighting, there will be no race problems. Everyone will be friendly to everybody, and we will live in peace, sitting under a vine that shows abundance and blessing, the fig tree shows food and abundance, and we will be at peace under Jesus Christ's reign. Praise the Lord. You know, Nathan, the thing that sometimes people don't catch is that there's a lot of different names and titles uh, given to the Lord. The Lion of the, the, the tribe of Judah, uh, here he's called the Branch. Uh, it's just so many ways that the Bible describes Jesus to us. The Bible is filled with, I, I, I don't even know how many. I, if you see those t-shirts, it looks like there's a hundred different names on it for Jesus. Christ, but you're right, man. We got two of them right here the angel of the Lord, the branch, and uh, there's even a hint of where he's called the capstone, yes. which Jesus will say later that he's the stone the builders rejected that has become the capstone. In other words, the, the foundational uh, decorative stone of the building back when buildings had capstones. And so, we this is Jesus saying that he how important he is. So, yeah, yeah. brother, we got three names right here in Zechariah 3 alone. I mean, Jehovah Jireh, some say, uh, Nathan, that also uh, he's the becoming one, that Jesus becomes all in all for whatever need someone might have at that moment. And, and we believe that to be true. Maybe there's someone tuned in right now who their need is a relationship with God. And the Lord Jesus Christ is touching their heart and calling out to them right now through this program, uh, leading them to come to him. And that's why, Nate, you and I will oftentimes pause and give an opportunity for that person on the other side to come to Jesus so that he can become the all in all for them. Nathan, would you be able to maybe share with that person on the other side how they can come to Christ right now and allow the Lord to fill maybe that void in their heart? Well, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's John three sixteen. In other words, that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior, and we ask in repentance of our sins, for him to be our Savior, he promises that we will be saved. So if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he wanted to save you from your sins, and uh, all you have to do is pray from your heart, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. No, something like that. It doesn't have to be. It's not the words. It's the heart change that matters. Excellent. And from there, Jesus promised to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you of your guilt, and give you a bright future in heaven with him forever. You get to wear those white robes and have that turban and and stand before the Father, clean and pure. 
That's right. And also they get to enjoy heaven, the millennium with us, Nathan Jones. And I think that that's a, that is so awesome, the way that you uh, close that verse 10 with a wonderful word of encouragement. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree as a symbol of peace. And we know that we definitely don't have that full peace right now in our earth, Nathan, because there's a lot of wars and turmoil. But the encouragement is that that day is soon coming, right, Nate? When we believe we're going to see this time of peace. Brother, that's incredibly encouraging. You're right. We live in a terrible time period. I mean, it's got some blessings, but overall, the fighting, the arguing, yes. the problems, the disease, the, the famines, the, it, it, the world's a mess. It needs the Prince of Peace to come. And there will be a time, this will end, and we will be before the Lord. And we will live in that time of peace. Ooh, soon, but very soon. Awesome. Well, Nathan, mm -hmm. I, I want to thank you so much for uh, opening up for us this uh, incredible chapter 3 here in the book of Zechariah. And it's been such an encouragement to our listeners, to our viewers, and to myself. And So I want to thank you, my brother, for having you again in this credible segment. And Lord willing, uh, maybe we can continue next week. Will you be back next week? Uh, every week, brother. And again, <laughs> thanks for having me on. <laughs> thank you, Nathan. I pray you have an awesome day. We want to thank you all for tuning into our yeah. program. And maybe you receive Christ. We would love to hear from you. If you can give us a call at 305-992-9537.